This is The Guardian. Today, how Saudi Arabia bought professional golf. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Should even get a bit of run down here, down the slope, just a little. We're on the eve of golf's US Open. And as far as professional sports go, golf is pretty placid, slow moving. A little left, a little tight, and bouncing around in the rocks. But for the past few years, this manicured game has been fighting a dirty war. With the spectre of a rival golf tour threatening to tear the game apart, still looming, and the finger pointing and mudslinging from both sides only intensify. There's certain guys that I just can't stand them being here, to be honest. And to be honest, the one thing that I've that has really annoyed me over the last few months is how disruptive they're all trying to be. With the game's largest professional association, the PGA, on one side. But I have no respect for them when they stand up there and pretend it's not about money. And on the other, the $620 billion sovereign wealth fund of the Saudi Arabian government. Coming along and offering these players 20, 50, 70, 100, 130 million dollars because that is... Eyeing a jewel that it was told money couldn't buy, but which the Saudis said, let's see. If Saudi Arabia wanted to use the game of golf as, as, a, as a way for them to get to where they want to be and they have the resources, you know, I think we're, we're proud to help them on that journey. Can I ask you very quickly about the suggestions of sports washing? What do you say to that? What's your response? Uh, I'm really not sure about this uh, terminology. But, uh, this dispute has ripped the game wide open. Broken friendships, sparked lawsuits, led to ugly accusations. In part, quote, Saudi operatives played a role in the 9-11 terrorist attacks and now it's bankrolling all of professional golf. Um, you know, people always used to say, you know, sports and politics shouldn't mix and that, but in this day and age, I just think with everything that's going on, it's very hard to separate those two. And then, all of a sudden, last week, it ended. Shocker in sports, controversial merger here. In a surprise move, the PGA and the Saudi-backed Live Golf Tour are becoming one. In a deal that nobody saw coming, that the people who run golf hope will bring peace back to the sport. Well, listen, I think today is a, it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf. And you're right, you know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf. And that some of the people who play it say might have damaged the game beyond repair. From The Guardian, I'm Michael Safi. Today in Focus, the dispute that broke golf and the deal to put it back together. Ewan Murray, you cover golf for The Guardian. How would you describe the way that the sport is run at the professional level? I think it's a lot more modern 
and it's been dragged into the 20th or 21st century over the last five to 10 years. I think before that, there was definitely a stuffiness around golf leadership. That, and that, that was a perception, and it was fair to a large extent. But I think commerce, the investment, the demographic also of people who are interested in golf, that has changed. Um, it's captured younger hearts and minds, and, and the sport has changed with it. Plus, you have the Tiger Woods factor. There it is, as grand as it gets. What a way to cap it off. Which is, has brought eyeballs since the late 90s. Something I never dreamt that I would ever see or ever thought that anyone could ever do. I think it's the greatest feat I've ever known in all of sports. And, and again, attracted a, a level of commercial interest and investment that, that changed the nature of the sport. Ewan, one of the unusual things about golf is that professional golfers are basically freelancers and they agree to become members of groups like the PGA, the Professional Golfers Association. But if they want to play in other tournaments not run by the PGA, they have to get the PGA's permission to do so. So they're freelancers, but still restricted in some ways as if they were proper employees. And that's been a source of friction for some players over the years. Tell me about that. Yes. I mean, mean, golfers are to a large extent, so traders. Well, some players feel that they're too locked in to what the PGA Tour wants them to do. Some of them feel they've been too restricted of where they can play. Some of them feel their commercial value hasn't been properly reflected. Golfers will argue, without us, the Tour does not exist. So, so they feel they should be better compensated, better recognised for the value they bring to these tournaments. But the point is that, that some of these drumlings have left golf susceptible to some kind of rebel tour, some kind of takeover. Greg Norman famously attempted this in the, in the mid-90s with a, a world golf tour. That's Greg Norman, the famous Australian golfer. What did he do? Well, he had a, a grievance, basically, with the way the PGA Tour ran and controlled golf. And that grievance never really went away. But he wanted to, to do his own thing. And, and the existing tours at that point came together to create a, a level of tournaments called the World Golf Championships, which sat just below major championships, supposedly, as the next biggest set of, of tournaments in the game. But interestingly, in, in far more recent times, there, there was rumblings about rebel golf tours. There was one called the Premier Golf League. Tiger, have, have, yeah. you, um, have you personally been approached about the, that Premier Golf League concept, and, and what do you think of the whole idea? Have I been personally approached? Yes, and... Um... You know, we've been down this road before um, with World Golf Championships and other other events being started or other tours want to evolve and, and start. There's a lot of information that we're still looking at and whether it's a reality or not. Just like everybody else, we're, we're, we're looking into it. So the tours were susceptible to this long before the Saudis came along and possibly from a different source than, than Saudi Arabia. The difference being as we're going to talk about, that Saudi Arabia has the financial wherewithal to challenge golf's existing ecosystem in a way that others could not. Okay, so this is a game that you say has been susceptible to rebels for a long time. And then in 2021, such a rebel comes along in the form of Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund. First, they try to enter the European tour, to which the PGA responds by partnering up with the Europeans and freezing the Saudis out. So the Saudis then raise the stakes. What do they do? 
But what they say is we're, we're going to set up our, our own tour. Evolution can be uncomfortable, but we love this crazy game enough to try. So join us, because the future we see is bright. The future of golf. They bring Greg Norman in. He is the commissioner and, and leads this, this tour. Norman is a extremely well-known figure in golf. Norman unquestionably lent prestige to the new tour at the outset, but critics accused him of looking to settle a decades-long score with the PGA Tour by trying to obliterate them out of existence. He was a former world number one, a major champion. He was very, very popular as a player. And handily, he had this previous grievance against the PGA Tour and the way they operated. So Norman was, at face value, the ideal frontman for what became a disruption plan. And, and what the Saudis could do where others couldn't, is that they could pay golfers tens and in some cases hundreds of millions of dollars to come and join their, their league. And that's exactly what they did. The leading players jumped ship from the PGA Tour thanks largely to the reported nine-figure contracts they were they offered by... coaxed players to play in tournaments, which began in England at the Centurion Club in, in Hertfordshire last June. We're not too far away from the historic town of St Albans with its Roman history as well. And we've got 48 of the modern-day gladiators out there today, all vying for the richest purse in golf. OK, and so this Saudi version of golf, what's it like? How is it different to the golf that we might see on TV normally? Well, it's different in the sense that they play 54-hole tournaments instead of 72, three rounds instead of four. So it's faster? Yeah, it's shorter. It's, it's three, three days instead of four. Oh, lovely kick. Oh, no. Wait a no. minute. Surely not. Oh, oh, goodness me. No. Oh, my goodness. That would have been our first albatross. There is a team element to this. Players are set into teams, so there's team rewards as well as individual rewards. And actually, this was one of their core points of making it different from the mainstream element of golf. Interesting. Is it fair to say that... These are all pretty radical changes for a game that hasn't changed that much in a long time. That's right. And, and it was a massive difference to the traditional golfing audience. The Live staff says they want to take the game of golf into the future. They take a modern approach to old traditions. They would say that they were trying to tap into a younger audience by making it quicker, jazzing up a bit. Okay, so when you think of a golf tournament, you likely think of silence when the players are hitting their shots, but that is not how it works on the Live Golf Tour. There will be speakers everywhere blasting music from the first hole to the 18th. There's music playing at tournaments, stuff like that, just just making it appeal to, to a younger demographic. Whether that has really worked or not, having been on the ground at tournaments, I, I'm not so sure. But that was part of their, not too silly actually, approach to, to making golf a little bit fresher. For Charles Schwartzel, the 2011 Masters champion, is our inaugural Live Golf winner. Here at Centurion, $4 million for Charles Schwartzel. And you said that one of the changes they proposed was that the worst players in a tournament, the ones who would be normally cut from the tournament after two days, in this case are not. They get to keep playing throughout the whole tournament. That must be pretty appealing to the people who are trying to make a living off of this game. Yeah, they keep playing and they keep getting paid. Yeah, that, that, that's, that was the appeal to, to, to golfers. And, and it's interesting, there was a general, not exact, but there was an interesting split of players who, who went and joined the Lyft Tour 
some had injury issues and they weren't sure for how long they could compete, continue to, to play at the top level. So so playing 14 tournaments, 54 holes, that, that suited them. And, and they had guaranteed income for doing that. Some of them, being blunt, were, were older and over the hill and, and couldn't really compete at the top level either. So, so it appealed to them. And some of them had a, had a grievance and, and didn't really fancy the way the PGA Tour ran golf. They wanted a break. They, they wanted something different and it appealed to them. So those three categories largely, not entirely, but largely cover the golfers who, who went and joined the lift circuit. There is only one place to start, and that's to recap the breaking news that we brought you over the last 15 minutes. It does concern the Saudi back live tour. Let's cross back to Jamie Weir, who's at the home of golf right now. So, Jamie, look, we did expect a response, and it is superbly strong from the PGA Tour, isn't it? Well, as soon as the Live tournament started, their very first tournament, as soon as that got underway, the PGA Tour instantly issued a notice which said that any players, any of their members who played in that were, were suspended. Just half an hour after the first ball was struck in the first event of this Live Golf Series, the PGA Tour issued a memo to its members. It says that simultaneous to the players receiving this memo, the following players are all banned from playing on the PGA Tour, suspended and no longer eligible to play in the PGA Tour. And then it lists 17 players, including the likes of Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Ian Poulter, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia. And these players who went and joined the Saudi circuit, were they upfront about why they were doing it? Like, were they saying, look, they're paying me a lot of money. That's why I'm going. Yeah, quite a lot of them, in fairness, were. A good example of this is, is Brooks Kepka. Like I said, opinions change. And I, I feel very comfortable with the decision I made. I'm happy and um, I did what's best for me. He was one of the leading players in the game. He suffered really bad injuries, a series of bad injuries. And he thought his career was going to be curtailed. And, and he was upfront about that. He said, I, you know, I, I didn't know how long I, I was going to be able to play for. The live offer, which was worth fortunes, came along. And it made sense. And, and, and I, I have far more respect, actually, for the guys who came out and properly articulated why they did it than ones who, who used phrases about growing the game and stuff like that as to what their motivation was for, for joining the, the live league. I don't condone human rights violations at all. I... I'm certainly aware of what has happened with Jamal Khashoggi, and it's, I think it's terrible. I've also seen the good that the game of golf has done throughout history, and I believe that Live Golf is going to do a lot of good for the game as well. And Ewan, what kind of money are we talking about here? How much were the Saudis proposing to pay these guys? Well, that varied a lot, but I mean, it could be up to $100, $200 million per player in terms of a signing on fee. That's what the, the, the guys at the top. It became a, a gravy train that a lot of players suddenly were looking at, thinking, hang on, I, I want a bit of this. The biggest name they got initially was Phil Mickelson. When I think about being a part of Live Golf, I feel so good about it. Uh, multiple major champion, one of the most recognisable faces in the sport. They also coaxed Cameron Smith. I think it'll be exciting to bring another event down to Australia. Um, you know, showcasing, you know, some of the world's best golf. He was the Open champion. He won the Open at St Andrews last July. Patrick Reed, Masters champion. But at the end of the day, I felt like joining Live Golf, especially with talking to some of the guys that played in London, that this was definitely 
the right decision. Yeah, right. Decision These were marquee names in the sport, and and they signed them up, and that certainly made people sit up and take notice. And what it also did was it, it shocked the PGA Tour into action, where they had to do something to try and stop this talent drain away from their tour towards live golf. And so the PGA notoriously aggressive about fending off rivals. Now they've got a pretty big rival. What do they do about it? Well, that was interesting. They, they did two things, one of which has, has come back to haunt them. The commissioner, Jay Monaghan, he basically runs the tour. He, he appeared on live television. It's been an unfortunate week that was created by some unfortunate decisions. Uh, and he brought the 9-11 atrocity into the argument of why no player should be doing a deal with Saudi Arabia. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize for being a member of the PGA Tour? And he said, he was very solemn about it and, and said, um, you know, no one has ever had to be apologized for, for being in our tour. Does that apply with the live golf and, and, and use 9-11 as an example of that? Wow. The, the other thing they did was they, they, they threw money at, at, at existing players. They, they threw fortunes at increasing the prize funds around their standard tournaments. It was two-pronged. It was one this moral element, no, you shouldn't be dealing with Saudi Arabia, and two, in cold, hard commercial terms, hike up the, the, the prize pots to try and entice players to, to stay where they are. I mean, the moral side of that, saying that many of the 9-11 hijackers were Saudi, that the 9-11 families have claimed that there are kind of unexplored links between elements of the Saudi government and the terrorist attacks, which the Saudis obviously deny... These are like pretty incendiary arguments. Like the PGA is not holding anything back here. No, and, and that was an example of, of, of how um, the environment was at, at that time. They, they, they were essentially fiercely protective of their environment and would say or do anything to try and make sure that they did protect it. That, that's exactly what it was like. Nothing was off the table. Now, to be fair, the PGA Tour were not alone and, and bringing the source of the money into the debate. I mean, I did it enough myself. We, we had to question, where is this money coming from? The phrase sports washing has been widely used. Why are they doing this? Is it reasonable for golfers who incidentally have a pretty good life anyway to accept this money from, from the, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia? That was a discussion point. But when the head of the tour itself introduces that, I think it moved on another level entirely. And what about in the wider world? What was the reaction to the Saudis seeking to muscle in on golf? Well, I think in the wider world, there was a growing acceptance that this is what Saudi Arabia wanted to do in sport because it wasn't just golf. Uh, Yasir Al-Ramayan says, we are extremely proud to become the new owners of Newcastle United, one of the most famous clubs in English football. The Newcastle United takeover was rumbling on and duly happened. Formula One, boxing... Everybody's gone there. Tennis players have gone there. They've had racing there, and Formula One racing. Everybody is going there, and they're going there because they're paying well. And that's the bottom line of it all. As we've seen subsequently, Cristiano Ronaldo went to Saudi. When you start the Ramadan, 
with training 10 o'clock in the night was so strange. It's experience, memories. So golf is very much seen as part of a bigger picture. And so amid all of this controversy, this Saudi tour has been going ahead. It's been having these glitzier, faster tournaments. How have those events been going? They had problems. They could not source a broadcasting deal. For example, they still don't have one in the UK. They have one in the US, although the visibility afforded to them there, I think, is is questionable. They could not command top-level sponsors, as was part of their, their plan, obviously. Greg Norman caused them a lot of embarrassment with, with comments he made about the murder of, of Jamal Khashoggi, for example. This is what Norman said, quote, the whole thing about Saudi Arabia and Khashoggi and human rights, talk about it, but also talk about the good that the country is doing in changing its culture. We've all made mistakes, and you just want to learn by those mistakes. And, how you and then Donald Trump get involved, of course. Well, I've known these people for a long time in Saudi Arabia, and they've been friends of mine for a long time. Trump had been pretty much ostracized by the by the PGA Tour, and he he loves golf. He wants to he wants involvement in golf. He craves involvement in golf, and handily for live, he he owns golf properties. So they played tournaments on on his sites, including their end of year event. Uh, the PGA was not loved by a lot of the players, as you know, for a long time. Now they have an alternative, and nobody would have ever known there was going to be a gold rush like this. In this relatively small community of professional golfers, small compared to other major sports, how bitter did this dispute get? In a lot of cases, it was extremely bitter. Certainly, if it keeps going the way it's going, it's going to fracture the game. And it's, sorry, it's going to fracture the game more than it already is. Because this. I mean, Rory McIlroy and Sergio Garcia were great friends at each other's weddings, uh, Ryder Cup teammates, and, and just good friends. Garcia joined Liv, sent Rory McIlroy a pretty strong text message in the meantime about the whole thing. Rory responded in kind. There's a friendship that's completely broken. There were people who worked in the background at uh, the PGA Tour who have gone to work in the background at, at Liv. Their friendships with the people at the PGA Tour have had to end, basically. It went that deep at the top level and, and way, you know, way further down the, the food chain. And meanwhile, of course, there was an antitrust lawsuit between the PGA Tour and Liv, and vice versa, Liv and the PGA Tour, that reached the courts in the United States. So there was there was litigation, what looked for a while at like long-term and certainly very expensive litigation also going on. So the whole thing was extremely fractious. Okay, so it's in the context of that turmoil, of dueling lawsuits, of longtime friendships broken up, and these two warring empires running their own tournaments with their own players, that suddenly, last week, this story completely changes. What happens? Some serious breaking news from the world of golf, and not something that people expected. It was you know what, I would normally admit this, because it would... It would, it would going to be tantamount to professional negligence, but when, they, when the office phoned me and said to me, have you read the statement that the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour has merged with um, Liv, I, I thought it was some kind of spoof, some kind of joke. But in a shock announcement, all three major governing bodies of the sport have now come together. The US-based... I couldn't at all 
regard that as being valid. Now, I can't admit that because everyone had the same reaction. And, and Tiger Woods, by far the most famous individual in this sport, and Rory McIlroy, they had no idea this was coming until not long before I did. Yeah, I, I learned about it pretty much at the same time everyone else did. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a surprise. So I think, the, I think the admission is fair, but the fact it's happened now was astonishing to, to everyone. I mean, they were in court in California one day before the news broke. At least it means that the litigation goes away, which has been a massive burden for everyone. So the secrecy of this deal was incredible. We were basically five or six people who were the only people to know about this have reshaped the future of elite golf. And that was extraordinary. And the fact that happened and happened now was certainly extraordinary because you have sworn enemies coming together and saying, well, things are okay now. We can work together and, and protect the future of golf. It, it's, it's astonishing. It really is. And so what is this like shocking deal that they've made? Well, the, the deal involves the, the formation of a, a new entity, a commercial entity, which will sit above the existing tours, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Lyft Tour. The tours can still operate as they are, although I'd imagine the, the format, the schedule, and the shape of them will have to change. Um, but you have a, a new entity which will have Yasser Al-Rumayan, who is the governor of the Saudi Public Investment Fund, as the chairman, and Jay Monahan, the head of the PGA Tour, underneath as commissioner. Hmm. But in this new structure, it sounds like the person who oversees it all, the top boss, he's a Saudi. Absolutely. And, and the... the if not all the money, and the vast majority of fresh money also comes from Saudi Arabia. So that um, if that's not a takeover and they won't like that term, then I'm afraid they're all but named. That, that's exactly what it is. Hmm. What do you reckon was ultimately motivating the PGA to make peace with the Saudis? Money, the balance sheet. I, I, think, um, I think they looked at these tournament prize funds for the next short term, they would be fine, but medium to long term, they had to sustain this model via which they had given so much money to players to retain them. And I think there was a commercial realisation that Saudi Arabians can put, as I said, several billion dollars on the table. We should have a bit of that cake rather than battle against it. And and the legal... The, the, the assumption has always been that the Saudi Arabians did not want legal discovery, legal disclosure regarding this case in the United States. But I also think the PGA Tour probably had a bit to lose from that. I don't think every detail of their business being made public via court case was necessarily very good news for them. Plus, the legal case was expensive. So when you when you factor it all together, right way or wrong way, and I, I find it quite deflating. I think cold, hard commerce is, is what led to this, this uh, resolution. One thing I'm wondering is, you told me there were a bunch of players who turned down very generous offers from the Saudis to play with, with the Live golf tournament. What does this all mean for them? Like, do they get some of that money now? Well, they won't get some of that money, but, but the, the, the new organisation, actually the PGA Tour, will be under pressure to reward players who showed loyalty because those players will be irritated that they turned down, in some cases, um, Ricky Fowler is a good example. He turned down, I, I believe around $70 million to go and play on that tour. Wow. But I, I think it's certainly true to say some players, if not all, who, you know, in their minds showed loyalty to the PGA Tour and stayed where they were, 
they'll be pretty hurt that they that they lost a big payday. Coming up, the Saudis win from this deal. And maybe the PGA does too. But what about the game of golf? Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash todayinfocus. Ewan, this is clearly a win for the Saudis. It makes them part of the landscape of a sport that millions of people love. It helps to legitimise them as a force in the world, which could assist them as they try to diversify their economy away from oil. But what about the PGA? Can you say that they've won anything out of this? Well, I don't think so. I think they've lost considerable face. Um, And I quite admired the fact, although, again, there was probably commercial motivation behind it. I, I admired the fact that the existing tours could stand firm and shut out the Saudi challenge. I, I, they've lost that now. They will argue, of course, and the players, I think, will soon argue they can win because they have far more investment, open themselves up to new sponsors, tournaments again worth far more money, so rich golfers get richer. And, and I, I get that point. That's the business they're in. It's, it's a business that's in place to, to fulfil the needs of golfers, of members. But I, I think there should be a bigger picture than that. And I think, you know, golf has always made a great point of, you know, it exists by loftier standards and high ethics. And, and I think it lost a lot in the, the way this deal was done and actually the fact this deal was done at all. I, I find it incredible that a, a tour which was so diametrically opposed to what was going on with, with Saudi Arabia suddenly jumps in beside them and says, all is fine, peace in our time. I, I, I don't think that should, should wash. 
You're about to start covering the US Open, which begins tomorrow in Los Angeles. The merger isn't a done deal. On Monday, the US Senate announced an investigation into how it all came about. There might be more complications ahead, but if it does happen, this week's tournament may be seen as one of the last of golf's old era. And I wonder what you think this all means for the sport. The short answer is we don't know. I mean, a, a year from now, generally it's impossible to predict how golf will look. I think um, in the short term, what has to be resolved is how players who went to the, the, the Lyft Tour can work back inside the, the previous tours, the PGA Tour and the, the DP World European Tour. That has to be resolved. There has to be a schedule resolved whereby these tours can play um, alongside some form of lift tour, because I don't think that will be ditched entirely, and, and give players, again, more options to play within that. That's a technical element of it. But how the tournament landscape looks and how the, the, the um, kind of nuts and bolts of golf looks in a year's time, you would be silly to predict that because it's changed so much over the last, well, two weeks, as it turns out. So so I, I don't know. It's a cop-out answer, but I don't know. Given everything that's happened, it's impossible to call where the sport goes next. How does it leave you feeling about this game that you love, that you've devoted so much of your life to? Uh, a bit dispirited, a bit deflated. Um, maybe that's maybe I shouldn't be so naive, and maybe I've been overly puritanical about it. But I, I think when they just the existing tours just essentially give in and do a deal with the one body they they fought so hard to. Um, to repel, I, I I find that pretty dispiriting, to be honest. And, and I and I still don't know, beyond all this money, I, I don't know what Saudi Arabia offers golf. I mean, they, they stage golf tournaments. There's no crowds there watching them. It's not as if there's vast interest in the sport. You think, okay, this could, this could pick up, this can dry. I, I can't get away from the fact that they're only doing this as a, you know, a clean-up scheme for their, for their reputation. You can't ignore that. And it didn't work in golf because the tours resisted and Tiger Woods resisted and Rory McIlroy resisted until the last week or so when um, essentially they just buy into the, the top level of that as well. And, I, and I, I find myself feeling a bit cold about the whole thing. Is the lesson here that at the end of the day, the Saudis and, and other similar Gulf monarchies just have so much money that even a principled stand can't last long in the face of the amount of cash on the table. Yes. I mean, I increasingly think that is the harsh reality. If they set their sights on your sport or your entity, they will they will get it. Now, now I would also say they don't throw money around on the basis they will receive absolutely no return. There are two elements to this. One, golf gives them, they believe, an element of prestige and brings eyeballs that, that they want. But now they have done this commercial deal, they want financial return as well. They're not just going to pour several billion dollars into this new entity of golf and not expect some kind of financial comeback. So I think that's worth watching. This is where it gets, funny enough, for the for the, the existing tours, it gets serious now. What are they giving back? There has to be bang for their buck. What are they giving back for the, the, the Saudi Arabians giving, again, by their own testimony, potentially several billion dollars? It, it can't just be a one-way transaction. Ewan, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Ewan Murray, whose coverage of the US Open you can read at theguardian.com. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Alex Atak. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. 
The executive producer was Phil Maynard, and we'll be back tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.